Glad you're here. Welcome to New Life. I'm excited about what needs to be said today, and uh, I got a lot to say, so I'm going to jump right into it this morning. I know you've, uh, many of you have had crazy weeks, and um, I want to kind of give you a chance to get some energy, which you definitely need in this place today. I can see it. So um, before we get started, let's um, have a quick word of prayer, and I uh, appreciate Rick's song this morning again, and um, just his example and their example, the way they've been through this hard time. And would like to remind you this morning, if you brought something in and you're hiding it, you think nobody cares, you're wrong. Um, in fact, this building is here. Um, this, uh, this whole facility, this church is here for, ooh, just got a little more volume. This church is here um, for broken people, for those who are hurting, and, um, and you've found a big group of them. So um, if you're here today and you are feeling um, depressed, if you're feeling lost a little bit, then you're in the right place. Don't leave here without talking to somebody today. Um, let's pray together. God, we pray your blessings over this time together. Would you give us a, uh, just a fresh breath today, just a new perspective on our life? Many of us have come in today tired and um, emotionally, physically, financially spent. <laughs> Would you remind us of the reason that you have called us to, to do this life? Would you remind us of the priorities that lead to the life that we want? God, you know I've been preparing this message and been praying that it would hit people the way it needs to today, and I know there'll be some offense taken, potentially. There'll be some hearts broken and some hearts mended today. I pray that you would prepare this room for that today. God, we just, we want to move forward in our life. We want to move towards peace and the things that you intend for us. Would you lead us there today, in your son's name, amen. As we get going this morning, um, we are in the second week of a series called The Question That Answers Just About Everything, um, and man, did I get some pushback on that this week, and it started some good discussion on Facebook and email, and I uh, appreciate all your contacts and um, comments. Um, we basically said last week, if you, if you missed the sermon, you can see it online, you can listen to it online, um, but basically what we said last week, that there is a question that if answered, and if asked and answered, will potentially change the, the situations in your life. In fact, we said this, that, that, that second slide there, next one, Tanya, that your greatest regret in your life, if you picture that today, that's probably not the way you want to start your Sunday morning, but if you picture your greatest regret in your life, it probably could have been avoided if you had asked and answered this question honestly. And so we, we've talked about that question in three different perspectives. Um, and here, here's the question. In light of my past experience, all the things that I've done, not your past experience, but in light of my past experience, and in light of my current circumstances, the things that are going on in my life right now, and in light of my future hopes and dreams, what is not the right thing to do? It's a, this is a better question than that. What is not the legal thing to do? This is a much better question than that. The question is, what is the wise thing to do? And, and what we said last week um, really kind of spurred a lot of discussion via the web this week, um, 
And I, I really love those kinds of discussion. But what we said last week was, if you look at, at, at your life, the, your past experience, your current circumstances, and your future hopes and dreams, and you look at a decision, every opportunity, every decision in your life, if you look at it this way, and you say, you know what, I know what the wise thing to do here is, but you know what, it's just not as fun. <laughs> it's just not as, it's, I'm not going to do it. Then you have learned something about yourself. And this might be offensive to you today, but you have learned something about yourself. If you look in, in the mirror and say, I know this is the wise thing to do, but yet you choose not to do it, you have learned that you don't have at heart your best interest. That you aren't interested in what's best for you, you're just interested in the now. And that is a huge thing for you to learn about yourself. And we've talked about that in all kinds of contexts. And man, has it come to live um, in my life this week. And personally, and with some, a lot of friendships, I've talked to a few of you who have said that you're trying to remember this phrase because you've got friends and family who you're trying to share this with. Um, because we see this all around us. If we could just look back, it's a, it's a real easy thing to see in other people. To go, you know what, you're, you're, okay, it might be not the issue that it's not the right thing to do or that it's not the legal thing to do. It's just dumb. What you're doing is dumb. And we see this in other people. It's like today I was on 37 coming towards Paragon from Bloomington. And I was behind this lady, um, and if, I'm not going to tell you what kind of car it was, just in case it was one of you. Um, but I was behind this lady who had her left turn signal on from Bloomington all the way to Paragon Road. And I, I'm standing behind her, and for a while I'm like, ah, that's funny, she, she's got her turn signal on, she doesn't know it. And then finally I'm like, uh, every car that comes up to her thinks she's getting in the left lane, you know, and they're like trying to figure out what's going on. Finally I get that, and you've done this too, I know, you get in here like, this lady's stupid. How long, are you not hearing the click, 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 click on the car? A whole way, all the way to Paragon Road. And I, I finally, she's in the right lane with her left turn signal on, finally I get in the left lane to turn left on Paragon Road, reach down to hit my turn signal and realize my turn signal has been on since Bloomington. <laughs> and you laugh, but you've done it too. And we do this all the time. Every time you pass somebody that's texting somebody, you go, and then the next stop sign, I've seen you. You're doing it. See, it's so much easy to see in somebody else. And the reason is because you're outside of the car. You can see the blinker. But this is the way it is with our life, too. You can, you can look at somebody else and see the blinker. You can see the problem. You can look at their life and go, what you're about to do, okay, is it right? Probably it's not the issue. Is it legal? Well, maybe, yeah, it is legal. But is it just flat dumb to go that person, to do that again, to go in that situation? And you can look at somebody and go, yes, you're an idiot. But many of us cannot see it in ourselves. And you've walked in here this morning with your left turn signal on, pointing at somebody else's. And I'm telling you, if you're not careful, this will be the downfall of your life. So a smart guy, really smart guy, his name is Solomon. He wrote this thousands of years ago. And now whether you believe that this is inspired by God or not, it, it really, for the, for the purpose of this specific conversation, doesn't matter. Because this is one of the wisest, one of the most incredible parts uh, in parts of, of knowledge that you'll ever read, whether it's from God or not. An incredible man who was wiser than you'll ever be. He was smarter than you'll ever be. He was richer than you'll ever be. He had things and he did things that you'll never do. See, thousands of years ago, this guy wrote this, and we're still talking about him. A thousand years from now, nobody's going to be talking about you. Nobody's going to be talking about me. This is a guy who, who has these things in his life that he's imparted to us. And I'm telling you, right here today, this can change the way you live your life. This can save you. Yeah, time, 
which we all need. Yeah, money, which we all want. But maybe more importantly than that, it can save you tears in your life. If you listen to this today, it will save you. Now, some of you aren't going to hear this today because you're going to be looking at somebody else's turn signal while I'm talking. I'm telling you. I know it. I've seen it, and I've done it. And some of you aren't going to hear this today because you're, going to, you're, you're so deeply enrooted in what you're doing in your life that you can't see outside of what's going on. And so I've been praying for you. And what happens when I do that? I, I prayed. I used to say when I'm preaching, I don't pray for specific people. I just let God do his thing in your heart. But man, I love you guys too long, much, and I've been here too long. I'm praying for specific people. And I, I prayed for you. I played for the blanket here in, in Paragon, and I, my wife couldn't come today. And so I got here early, which is what happens when my family doesn't come. I get here early. And I drove through Paragon, and I prayed over Paragon today. And when that happens, inevitably, when I get that time to pray, and I pray specifically, people get mad at me. And I'm just to the point now where I'm realizing this is the way it is. So today, I've, even, I've got some times where I'm going to just tell you, I'm going to warn you, this can be offensive. So if you're one of those people that hasn't been to church in a while, um, yeah, there you go. Um, I put an actual warning sign up here. This is offensive. What I'm about to say is going to be offensive to you. It was offensive to me when I was preparing it. I was mad at myself um, when I was preparing this thing because this is harsh. It is hard. But if you listen carefully this morning, it will change who you are. Solomon says there are basically four different types of people. And this is the kind of thing that makes us really mad because we, none of us want to fit into one of these four categories. And this is what churches are kind of known for is putting people in categories. So I want to tell you today, there may be more categories. Solomon's not saying this is all. But what he's saying is in his experience, there are about four different groups of people. And what I'd like for you to do today is to kind of find yourself. To, to not go, and here's going to be the tendency. You're going to go, boy, I wish my son was here. You're going to say, boy, I wish so-and-so could hear this. But what I want you to do is check your own turn signal today. I want you to look at yourself and say, where do I find myself today? Because what Solomon says, and this guy was so wise when, when he was on earth, it was amazing. God asked him one point, at one point, early on in his life, he said, what, you can have anything you want. It's like this genie thing, you know, like you have one wish. What would you want? Most people would want money. Most people would want fame. He said, I want wisdom. And what's amazing is with wisdom comes all the other things that you want in your life, that you really want in your life. And so basically kings from all over the world, when they had a conundrum, they had a problem in their, their kingdom or a, a, an issue, a major point in their kingdom, they would send representatives, um, liaisons from their kingdoms to King Solomon with a, just a big barrel of gold and say, we know how wise you are. Would you help us answer these questions? And if you do, here's this big pile of gold. And so he just got so much money because he was so well known for his wisdom. And you're going to hear why this morning. He says, basically, there are four groups of people when it comes to wisdom in life, when it comes to seeking the wisdom. The first kind of person is the wise person. And a wise person actually goes and seeks out the wisdom of other people. Now, if you're here today and you're listening to this sermon, there's probably a chance that you're, you're trying to gain some wisdom at some point. Uh, but Solomon says there's a, there's a whole three more groups of people, and, and I want to kind of start to pitch this a little bit to you this morning and see how you feel about it. This is from the book of Proverbs. Um, if you haven't read anything that Solomon's written, he, uh, he's written some of the most amazing literature in history. Um, but when he, when he puts these categories out of wisdom, he, he starts with, or we're going to start with for our purposes today, a person that, it's already going to offend you, a person that he calls simple. Now, I tried to think about another way to, to word this. This is the way Solomon words it. Um, he says that simple people, there's a category of people in life that are simple when it comes to gaining wisdom. And 
If you're a high school student in here today, you're a junior high student, or you're, you're under the age of 21, you're going to be offended by what I'm about to say. I'm going to just tell you this. But basically what Solomon would say, if you're at the age of 20, 21, or under, you are a simple person. And I know that sounds offensive, but here's what he means by that. You lack experience. And so at some point, when it comes to wisdom in, in your life, you're just not going to have it. One of my favorite songs is this. Uh, that's not true at all. I shouldn't even have said that. Because I don't like Taylor Swift at all. But I love this lyric, okay? The Taylor Swift song, she says this. Because when you're... What's that? I told you, I don't know it. I know it really well. Because when you're 15 and somebody tells you they love you, you're going to believe them. Uh, you've heard this song. Have you not heard this song? And, and when you're 15, feeling like there's nothing to figure out, well, count to 10, take it in. This is life before you know who you're going to be. Here's the thing. If you're under the age of 21, if you're 15 years old, you're going you're gonna to make dumb decisions in your life. Not because you're dumb. Not, not because you're doing it on purpose. And, and not even because you're, you're a bad person, but because you're 15. <laughs> Because you just haven't had enough experience yet. And I, gosh, I know that's, I know that's going to be offensive. And if I was in high school, that would offend me. And when I was in high school and somebody said something like that, it did. But now that I'm older, I know for sure that it, this is true. And here's the thing about it. You, you end up saying things like this to your parents and to the people who love you. You end up saying things like, nothing bad is going to happen. Have you heard that, mom and dad? Nothing bad is going to happen. And my, my question to that is, how do you, you don't know that. And, and as a mom, a dad, as a grandma, as a, as, a, as a counselor, as somebody who just loves you, you go, you know what, I've lived life long enough to know what it looks like when you go there. And I, I know that you might say, I, I'm not going to do that, but the problem is, and this is one of the things a lot of kids say, and I hear it, and I said it, I can handle it, mom. I can handle it. And the problem is, mom and dad know that when they were your age, they didn't handle it. And when they didn't handle it, it came with consequences they don't want you to have to experience. So the simple person says, I can handle it. Says things like, hey, you're taking this too seriously. You're overreacting. And the reason we overreact is because we can foresee what's coming by what we've seen in the past. The simple person, here's the good news about the simple person. If you find yourself in this category today, you're already mad at me, and that's okay. In fact, you're probably on the way home today you're going to start having imaginary conversations with me in your head, you know, and, and that's okay. I just want you to listen to this, because if you are in this category of life, it's going away quickly. You're not going to be simple very long, because with time, it's the, kind of the cure for this. If you're a simple person, you need to know you can have it all. But the truth is, the older I get, the more I kind of, I miss that 21, that 18, 19, and I, I, I want that youth again. I want to wear skinny jeans, you know? I can't pull off the kind of clothes. I've tried to buy some of the clothes. We'll go into a store that high school kids are shopping at, and I think I can wear that, and I'll come out of the dressing room, and my wife goes, uh-uh, you can't do that anymore. You're 18 years old. You can, you can be young, and you can do that. And here's the thing. You can also be wise, but you aren't going to get wisdom the way other people are going to get wisdom. You're going to have to seek it. You're going to have to look for it. I have friends that I just married last Saturday. I was deficient at their wedding. And I talked to, to both of them. Um, uh, we got to the sex talk when I was talking about, um, see, that got your attention. <laughs> I got high school kid attention all of a sudden because this is where you're at. And we, we started talking to them, and I said, hey, you know, premarital counseling, we've got to talk about sex and what that means for your marriage and what that means in the past and how, 
And we started talking, and the more I talked to these kids, they basically said this, the biggest fight we've ever had in our life. With my mom, she said, with my mom's the biggest fight I've ever had was about going with boys by myself places when I was in high school. All my friends did it. Most of my friends ended up pregnant. I didn't care even then. I just hated my mom. because And then he said, yeah, my dad and I had so many discussions. We went months and months without talking because my dad would not let me borrow his car on Friday night to go on a date by myself with, with a girl out in the middle of nowhere. And we had these talks, and, and now they said, now we're about to be married, and we're both pure physically. And now I look back on my life, and I go, thank God that I listened to my mom and dad. See, here, here's the thing. Solomon says there's this group of people that can seek it. You can seek it. If you're, not, if you're here today, you're a high school kid, you're a junior high kid, you're 21 years old, whatever it is, you're going to act like you're too cool to listen to, that, to me this morning, and that's okay. But what I want you to do is I want this to echo in your head. The next time your parents give you advice, I want you to remember that it's not just because they wish they were 21, because there's part of that, not because they wish they were in high school, but because they know the consequences that are coming and they don't want you to have to deal with it. There's a part of Proverbs, it's an amazing piece of scripture, where, where it, it kind of reminds me, and I'm not going to go through the whole thing, it's Proverbs chapter 7, verse 6 through 27, we don't have time to to go through there today, but what basically he says about the simple person, it's like when you go to a movie, you go to a horror movie, or to a, to a scary movie, or to a, a suspenseful movie, and you sit there, and your favorite character is getting ready to walk in that door, and I've done this out loud in a movie before, it embarrasses my wife to death, and you go, don't do it, you know, don't go in there, don't, I can see, I can see something you can't see, I know, the music, you don't hear the music, but the music's getting louder, you know, I remember when Jaws came out, man, I love Jaws, that's an old movie, I love Jaws, and you get that, and somebody would, just getting ready to jump off the side of the boat, and you go, can't you hear the music? <laughs> Don't you know there's Jaws? This is your parents, guys. This is your parents going, do you not hear the music? You're getting ready to jump into an infested water. The issue is not, do I, do I want you to have fun? Do I want? The issue is, I see what's coming. It's like watching a movie. Don't go in there. Don't do it. Go back one slide, Tanya. Sorry, I'm jumping all over the place. Oh, two more. Sorry. Up, up, up two. I guess I was right. Two more. There you go. Right there. Here's, here's the way I'm going to finish this today. What Solomon says when it comes to the simple person is this, and I'd love for you to hear this today. Don't trade what you want most for what you want in the moment. This is what he says to simple people. Don't trade for what you want most in your life for what you want right now. Now, if you heard it, all the people who aren't in the simple category just went, mmm. Because and if you heard that, it wasn't the simple people. It was those of us who know because we've already traded it at some point in our life. We've already traded something we want right now for something that we wanted more in the future. So the first person, first kind of person is the simple person. The second one is this. I'm telling you, it's, it's, a, it's offensive. It's a fool. Well, this is a fool. Now, this is a person who knows the difference between right and wrong. This is a person who has moved past the, the simple part of their life. They know the, person, the difference between right and wrong, and they basically just flat don't care. In fact, they would just tell you that. You'd say, hey, um, did, have you not read the side of this package? <laughs> did you see what this says it'll do to you? Yeah, I know. I don't care. Hey, did, you, you've, already, you've already dated a guy like that. He totally treated you awful. And you're going to go date him again. 
you see what's going on? And they go, yeah, I see it. I just don't care. I don't care. Now, this is a scary place to be in your life. In fact, if you're listening online and you're eating your breakfast, I'm really sorry, but this is straight from the Bible. Proverbs chapter 26, he says this. He said, the fool is like a dog that returns to its vomit. It got quiet in here. That's nasty. Have you ever seen a dog do this? Uh-huh. Yeah. This is what Solomon says it's like, and, and you know this. You've seen this in your life. You're going right back to that. You're going to go back to that junk. Yeah. A fool looks at it and goes, yeah, I know what it is. I know it's junk. I know it's gross. I know it's awful, but I'm going to do it anyway. The I, I know and I don't care is a scary place to be. Some of you are there. Next slide. As he continues to talk about the fool, he says this, a fool finds pleasure in the wicked schemes, but a person of understanding delights in wisdom. He says the fool does this. They go, you know what? It's not vomit. It's pleasure. It's fun. Yeah, but last time you did that, it took you five years to recover from that kind of a broken heart. That's vomit. You're going to go back there? Yeah, because it's not vomit to me. It's fun. It's pleasure. Yeah, but last Friday night, you did that, and you totally missed Saturday because of that. Are you going to do that again? You remember that? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I know, I know, I know. See, what he says is that the fool hates knowledge. I love this phrase. The fool hates knowledge. Here's what he does. He goes, yeah, I know. The problem is not that I don't know. I know, I know, I know. In fact, some of you right now are listening to me, and you're saying this, I know, and I don't care. I know that's who I am. I know. I've known since I was 18. I've known since I was 15 that this is a problem in my life. I know, I know, I know, I know. I just don't care. Now, here's the problem with that. Many of you would say this to me, and you have said this to me, and you might come up afterwards and say this to me, so I'm going to go say it before you do. You're going to say to me, it's my body. It's my life. It's my money. It's my stuff. But here's what Solomon says, and you know this to be true. Next slide. He says this. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Here's what he says, and you know this well, and this is why your parents are so freaked out about your friends, high school kids. Because we know you can be the wisest kid in the world, but if you're hanging out with an idiot, if you're hanging out with a fool, you're going to be the one that pays. And those of you in this room right now who are saying, I, don't, I know, but I don't care. I know, but I don't care. I know it says that on the package, but I don't care. I know I have this issue, but I don't care. I know, I know, I know, I don't care. You are going to be hurting someone that you love the most, the companion of yours. Your husband, your wife, your child, that's the person that hurts the most because you know, but you don't care. See, here's the cure for this thing. I hate this, but this is just the truth. The cure for the, this guy, the cure for the simple, is just time. You know, when you're 15 and somebody tells you they love you, you believe them. And then you get brokenhearted, and when you're 26, you don't believe them anymore. <laughs> you've got you to get going. You've got to figure it out. and you gotta, You're a little more hesitant. So time heals this. It cures this. But the, the problem is the cure for this, the cure for the fool, is tragedy. It's something awful happening. And I've got to tell you, the worst, the worst thing in the world about being a preacher, at least a preacher who cares about you, is that I have to see people who have lived their life like a fool and have sat in this chair for so long 
that it takes an absolute disaster for them to go, well, maybe I should listen. Maybe I should listen to God. Maybe I should listen to the preacher. Maybe I should have listened to my mom. Maybe I should have listened. And here's the, this is the worst part of this, and this is why I can't be a counselor. They come to me, and I'm thinking two things. I don't ever say this because it's an awful thing to say, but here's what I'm thinking, and this is as honest as I can be. The first thing is this. Why did you wait so long? Why have you sat in this chair until it took tragedy? You heard the preacher. You heard what it was said. You know your neighbor. You know how you grew up. You know what's going to happen, and you just didn't care. Now you care? That's the first thing that's in my mind. The second is even worse. The second is this. You can't have what you want in this lifetime now. Now, I'm not talking about God. I'm not talking about his love for you. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm, I'm talking about what you lost because you sat in this chair too long and didn't care. You can't have back. Uh, now, now you want a marriage. Now you want your marriage to be right. Now you want your wife to trust you. But you sat here so long and made mistakes and didn't care that you won't have that back. You've done damage to your soul, not, not in terms of your relationship with God. You've done damage to your life that you can't get back, and now you've come to me, or now you're going to a counselor, or now you've gone to rehab to get that back, and I know in my heart that you can't have it. And I hope that right this moment, high school kids, I am scaring the chair out from underneath you. Because you need to know that there are such bad consequences from the decisions you make while you sit in these chairs and you refuse to listen to the people around you and to God. There are, there are consequences to those things that God's going to forgive you for, but you cannot get back in this life. And if you don't believe me, ask your mom. Ask your dad. Ask the people that love you most around you, and you'll start to understand why they say what they do. The, the problem is, with the fool... It just takes too long. So finally, he says, and this is the worst one to me. This is the absolute worst one to me. This is what he considers the mocker. Some of you have bosses like this. Some of you have bullies like this in high school. Some of you, I hate to say this, and I just would hate if this would be true, but I know it is true that some of you are married to this. This is the person who knows what's the difference between right and wrong and then laughs at the people who choose right. This is the person that you go, hey, where are you going on Sunday? Going to church. <laughs> yeah, really? And now, I don't have to talk about this much, very much today because you're not at church if you're in this place. You, you're just making fun of it. You just, and there's this thing, though, that I want you to know about today that I believe affects those of you who, who maybe not aren't mockers but have this in your life. He says this, Proverbs chapter 9, he says, Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults, and whoever rebukes the wicked incurs, incurs abuse. Later on in that same chapter, he goes on to say, Stop correcting the mockers. Now, if you're on Facebook, I hope you heard this. If you're dealing with this, if you're on one of those, you do one of those call in talk shows things, or the letter to the editor of the newspaper, basically what he's saying is you're going to get killed in this situation. You're not, this is a waste of your life and your time. If you're on Facebook and you're looking for people who disagree with you and trying to re rebuttal and all that, I'm not saying we don't defend what we believe, but if we run into somebody like this, actually, now this is not what God says, this is Solomon's, advice, or Solomon's opinion. What he said was these people are hopeless. There's no hope for them. 
Now, I, I believe God, I've seen God do some amazing things, but in Solomon's lifetime, he basically said, these people will break you. Now, I, I don't know where you are today, and I've got to be real honest with you. When Rick sang his song this morning, before the sermon, I thought, man, maybe I should have preached a sermon this morning that was about hope. <laughs> maybe I should have preached this morning that was about what to do if you're depressed and how to, how to deal with that. But I can't think of a better thing to say to you today than what chair are you in in your life? And how long are you going to stay there? The next slide, Tanya. Here's, here's what Solomon does, and I want you to get this picture. Maybe you've already tuned me out, but this is cool, so you need to just listen to this. Basically, Solomon says, here's, here's what it's like. He paints this picture of wisdom being a woman, just a, a lady who is calling out to everyone. And he paints this picture. Now, I want you, as we read this, this is not the voice of God. This is his version of the voice of wisdom. And here's what he says. Listen, look at this. You need to read this whole chapter um, to, to understand it, but I'm just going to read this part of it. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. You know what that means? That wisdom is available for everyone. Everyone. Wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. It's available. On top of a wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. And she says this. This is what I'm hoping you hear in your heart today. How long will you, who are simple, love your simple ways? How long will you sit here? How long will you sit here? Will you sit here until you're 21 and you're going to make all the mistakes and you're not going to listen to your parents and they're an idiot and you're smart and they think things are too big a deal and you don't? Are you, you can have it both ways. You can be young and wise, but you've got to listen. She says, how long will mockers delight in mockery? You know what mockers do? They've they got to be the smartest person in the room. They've got to be the dominate the conversation with their intellect. They've got to pretend they're the smartest person in the room, and they're usually not. How long will mockers delight in their mockery? And how long will fools hate knowledge? How long will you just say, I know, I know, I know, but I don't care. I know, I know. You say, hey, are you really going to go back to work and say that again to them? Yeah, I know. I know I shouldn't, but I'm going to. Are you really going to do that? Are you really going to talk to your neighbor like that? Yeah. Are you really going to smoke that? Yeah. Are you really going to do that on Friday night again? Yeah. I know. I know. I know. Wisdom says, how long will you do this? Repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you, and I will make known my teachings. At some point, each one of these people, each one of these chairs will need wisdom. And I have seen it throughout my career so many times it usually comes at a funeral. Sometimes it comes for this person at the birth of their child. Sometimes I've, I've never seen such an incredible transformation and I've seen in a guy, in a, in a boy who was drunk all through high school, who wanted to do whatever he wanted to do all of his life, who treated everybody like trash. He finally met a girl he fell in love with and she changed him a little bit. And then he just see these glimpses, but he still had this jerk in him, and then he had a baby girl. And at that moment, he started coming to church. And his mouth cleaned up, and he stopped chewing, and he stopped drinking, and he, all of a sudden, he, he had a moment in his life where he said, no, not anymore. Because the things that I do in my life, the decisions, when I say I know, but I don't care, it's not me that gets hurt. 
It's the people that are closest to me. The companions of the fool are the ones who suffer the most harm. And when you realize that, it'll change your life. Next slide, Tanya. Since they would accept my rebuke, my advice, and since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, because that will happen, you know it, you've seen it, they will eat, now remember, this is not God speaking, this is his version of wisdom speaking, they will eat of the fruit of their ways, and we will be filled with the fruit of their schemes. They, they reap what they sow, they reap what they sow. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them. I read that this morning and it, I had flashbacks of funerals in my, my brain. And the complacency of fools, that I don't care, it will destroy them. But whoever listens to me, whoever listens to the advice of God to the people around them, realizing that there are people in your life that God has placed there to help you make these decisions, to help you ask the question, based on my past experience, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? Not what can I get away with. Not what can I do that'll make sure I got enough money in my bank account to make it till Friday and still can go to work on Monday and you know what? what not that. What is the wise thing for me to do? Whoever listens to me, listen to this, will live in safety and be at ease without fear or harm. I'm going to let that sink in this morning. Because I want you to know there's no, there's no, it's no mistake that you're here today. Whatever reason you're here, whatever you think you're here, I believe that God wants you to ask yourself the question, which, which chair might I be in? The truth is, I, when I asked that question, I found myself like leaning on this one. <laughs> because in parts of my life, I mean, I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then I go, well, yeah, I am. And then I go, no, I'm not. And I'm telling you, I had a conversation with my son this week. And I have, many of you know, I, have, I struggle with anxiety and depression. And I've dealt with it in my life. And then you get to the point where the, the crazy thing about anxiety and depression is that you don't want to deal with it. <laughs> so you just choose not to. And you go, well, it's my body. It's my life. It's my heart. It's my emotions. I just won't. And when I, when I don't, you know who hurts? My kids. My six-year-old son, if I start creeping into this chair of, I know it's wrong, I know I shouldn't live like this, I know I shouldn't have this attitude, I know I shouldn't get up and lay in bed, I know I shouldn't, I, I, I know I shouldn't, but I'm going to anyway. It's my son who goes, Dad, this is not the life I want. This is not the dad that I know. It's my son who's broken. It's the companion of the fool who is broken. I'm going to ask you today, how long will you wait? Some of you walk out of here with the same addictions you walked in and you won't talk to me, you won't talk to anybody else. Some of you will deal with the same emotional problems that you walked in here with today and you will choose to stay in the chair. Some of you will deal with financial issues and you'll say what we heard Solomon say, I know it's wrong, I know it's wrong, I know it's wrong, but a big screen TV feels so good. But that thing I smoke on Friday, just, it, that's what I need. And then you get to Monday and you realize, no, 
How long will you wait? I'm going to ask the band to come up and give you a chance today, just between you and God, to say, God, where do you see me? Where, where and, and there are very few of us in here that are full-fledged in this seat, but we, we step up and we come down and we, we continue to, to make these motions like we don't care in our life. You know, when it comes to this, the simple things in life, there's these categories in our life that, we're, that we all have not enough experience. I realized just recently, a few years ago, that finances, it didn't matter how old I'm going to be, that I'm always going to be here when it comes to money, or at least right now I am, that I need to go to somebody and go, you know what, I'm a 35, 38-year-old guy, and I need help deciding whether I should buy a new car. I got to go to somebody like Andy Wade, who is God's gifted this way. I got to go to my dad, who has dealt with all of these things in his life, and I got to say, should I buy a car? You know how hard it is to do that? You know how hard it is as a grown man to go, Daddy, what should I do? But if I don't, you know who pays? My kids, my wife. Some of you today need to get help for something that you have said over and over in your life. I know, but I don't care. I'll give you a chance today to do that, and I don't need to talk anymore. I love you so much, I don't want to sit with you somewhere in my brain thinking you can't get back what you want in this lifetime. Today's your chance to start over. That's the beauty. You know, that um, Solomon talks about wisdom being this woman, but the Bible speaks of God being a father. Standing, in fact, Jesus paints a picture one time of him standing on a porch looking for you. Everywhere he looks, every moment, at all times, he doesn't nap. He doesn't go in to get a cup of coffee. He's standing on the porch waiting for you to come home. I'm going to give you that chance today, just between you and him. I'm going right back to that corner. I'll be glad to pray with you today. Would you ask the question, what is the wise thing for me to do? And would you give yourself to God today? Stand with us and sing, please. Three.